Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the show. It's a little special time for us. Joshua and I are actually together. I'm on vacation out on the West Coast, and um, we're getting to do a little special intro for you today. Just us having a good time, and um, we're excited for this week's episode. We're talking about the first great movie of all time, Citizen Kane, and uh, another movie about that movie, Mank, that just came out last year on Netflix. David Fincher is back on the show. Gary Oldman's debut. Oh, wait, no. Gary Oldman was on Leon Professional. Gary Oldman's back on the show. Anyway, we're hanging out. We're having a good time, and we're excited uh, for a little special intro for you. So have a good time, and uh, thanks for listening. We need to run to the liquor store, goddammit. Welcome to this week's episode of The Digest Show. Josh, I think I can speak for both of us when this is going to be a really important episode, and I'm excited to share it with everyone. I'm starting it with a somber tone, but I'm going to meet it so everyone knows where we're coming from. This is a middle-brow podcast about movies. But on this week's episode, we're talking about the first greatest movie of all time. We're talking about the hoitiest of the toitiest. But we want to have a conversation about it, not t- take it too seriously or ourselves. But I'm really excited about it because it's an opportunity for us to be passionate about the things we're passionate about. T- today on on today's episode, we're talking about Citizen Kane. A pause for laughter. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, you picked it, and I and I, when you picked it, I I almost rolled my eyes because I'm like, we're doing a podcast about movies. Like this is the movie we should avoid. You know, like shit. But something really cool happened where this past year, a movie about the making or writing of Citizen Kane and one of the central creators of Citizen Kane was released by one of our favorite directors, David Fincher, and one of our favorite actors, Gary Oldman. And so for film fans, how do you not go to the bar with your buddy and talk about this shit? Like, how do you not? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a perfect i mean it's our first this is really like our first time ever doing something that's this new and that's why it's like and like just a a little to to go back to that history like it's me at 5 15 a.m like kind of soggy eyed reading your text message that is a link to this thing about mank and i'm like what the fuck's this like a year and a half ago right like Let's fucking do, let's, let's, when this shit comes out, let's fucking do Kane and we'll take on this fucking make. I mean, what is, this is just like super serendipitous. I love this shit. And I don't even think when we got into this, I had no clue what this would be. And like the symbiosis between these two movies, I had no idea. Like I really didn't. I I knew it was about it. Right. But like, not like. Yeah, so when I when I first heard that Mank was being made and I heard David Fincher's name and I don't even think I heard Gary Oldman's name, but like I what I wanted was not what I watched this week for the podcast. Sure. Like what what I wanted a year and a half ago is not what I just watched. What I wanted was Orson Welles. And what I wanted sure. was like a lot of Orson Welles and I wanted like behind the scenes footage of like the famous mirror scenes in Citizen Kane and all the technical 
progressions and I wanted like how they made it. And, what, and arguing over the rewrites and like getting in the cut of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's so much mystique behind Citizen Kane and it's arguably the greatest film ever made. And whether that's true or not, it's definitely probably the first quote unquote greatest movie ever made. It's a huge deal. It's it. And I want to talk about that and why it's it has longevity and why it's important. And we're going to get to that. But when the, this film gets announced, Mank, it's David Fincher. I knew that. And I remember seeing it must have been like a fan edit or something. And it was Orson Welles like in color, which now I know it must be riding like in the back of a car, like explaining. And like, that's not what we got. What we got was the story of Herman Mankiewicz, who's this writer, this uh, in the middle of the, the great age of Hollywood, who's going through this turmoil, who's connected to William Randolph Hearst, who, which Citizen Kane is inherently about. Um, and, for film lovers, people who listen to this podcast, who I love movies, this is kind of like the reason why we started the show. Sorry, I I'm having you're breaking out a little bit. I'm with you, I think. Like I heard everything, but it, like it keeps chopping up on me or something. And I just felt like that might be a good place to pause. Are you having anything like that? No. Okay. Um. I don't, I don't think. Oh, let me turn the Wi-Fi off on my work computer real quick. I'm gonna okay. turn the Wi-Fi off on my work computer. Real, maybe that'll help. Okay. Okay. I'll just jump back in. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Cool. So yeah, like but a big part of the show is we don't want to take ourselves too seriously and have a good time. But what happens when a movie made about a movie comes out, that's kind of the dead center of the Venn diagram of why we made this show. And like, but part of my hesitation to do a, a show about Citizen Kane is like, that's kind of too highbrow for us. But the show is also about loving movies and this, this, and like I was saying earlier, like Mank isn't about the making of Citizen Kane so much as it's about the story of Herman Mankiewicz and why Citizen Kane was made and the context with which it was made and, and the whole story of the writing and telling of the story. And it's just like, let's go to the bar and talk about this and every yeah. facet of it because this is, this is fodder for a great conversation. And that's the entire reason we started the show. So it, it, it for me personally, as being a part of this project with you, it's like, this is a cool moment because as film nerds and movie nerds, I would say, not film nerds especially, but this is just, this is so fucking cool that David Fincher made a movie about the creation of Citizen Kane, also that his father wrote the original screenplay for. It's just like... For film nerds and film fans, it's like too much not to to ignore. And you brought up to me the other night when we were texting that this is the 60th anniversary of the release 80th. of Citizen Kane. 80th, holy shit! 80th anniversary of the and just I too much it, kismet for me. It, it was just a couple of days ago from the time we're recording. Like, yeah, um, and just to, if I can to to if I can add just a little bit to this preamble, I think. I hear 
and we're going to obviously this is what this is all about but like i think citizen kane it is while it is that greatest movie i don't know if it is too highbrow because it comes from a time before people were just flexing on you you know just like i'm going to make a movie that's this complicated and this Yes. This wasn't an Oscar movie. No, no, no. This, this was this, a wild man with a motherfucking vision, man. This was and a 24-year-old I know. Child's first film. So let's go into it, right? Let's get into it. Cool. Let's do it. Just because we're talking about two films today, but one film was about the other film, and we have a tradition on the show, would you please honor us all? As we join you on the back of the box and give us a synopsis of a little flick called Citizen Kane. Sure, sure. Thank you. Hailed by critics and fans alike as one of the greatest films ever made, Citizen Kane continues to influence filmmakers and astound viewers 75 years later. Nominated for nine 1941 Academy Awards with a win for Best Original Screenplay, Orson Welles' controversial masterpiece uses innovative flashbacks and groundbreaking cinematography to follow the epic rise and fall of a wealthy newspaper magnate. For any fan of movies, this this is an essential viewing experience. Do you remember the first time you watched Citizen Kane? 100%. Yeah, I had never heard of it. Until I took, um, I took about all in all about four film studies classes while in my college career. And the first one I took was when I was in community college, which was actually out of the, out of the two film history. I took two film history and two like, uh, screenwriting classes, but out of the two film history classes, the one at the community college was like far better. (laughs) Like just, it, it was this movie nerd who just like loved fucking movies. And he like yeah. was just super goofy about it. Like he was like taught in a different subject and like fought to be able to teach this class. Some guy retired and he was like, love jazz. it. Gets so like anyways, an elective he gets to teach. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, he assigned a citizen cane. I'd never, I'd never even heard of it. I mean, but then again, you're like 18, 19 year old kid. You never, I mean, you don't really, why would I really know? I mean, at that point, you got to get exposed somehow. And he assigned it. We watched it in class. And um, I think this is one of those films where when you have someone to help you digest, digest the like greatness of this and why it's so good, it's a much better viewing experience. Because if you just watch this and you just cut it on and you put it on in 2021 and you're watching this for the first time, you might not see anything out of the ordinary. But if you're watching this in 1941, what you're watching is the most extraordinary, you know, filmmaking techniques that are being pioneered and all this stuff, you know? That's true. But it doesn't win Best Picture. No, it doesn't. And I think that that's really indicative of why it's a small piece of the longevity of the movie because the film is anti-establishment. Absolutely, 100%, and that's probably the reason why it didn't win. That is the reason why it didn't win, but it's important. I think it's important that it didn't win. I think that it would probably, maybe not to a serious degree, but I don't think it would have the 
same aura that it does had it won all the accolades it did. And the fact that it won Best Original Screenplay out of everything that it was nominated for is... And remember back on Network, what did we say about our show? We're fans of original screenplays. And I think that... We are. And I just think that it's really cool. I mean, it. I, I, first of all, I don't remember the first time I watched it. I was in middle school. I remember me, I had a group of friends in 7th and 8th grade, and we tried, we would make little short comedic movies and stuff there was one guy who was kind of the leader of the pack and um and one night he was like we're gonna watch citizen kane i must have been in seventh or eighth grade and i've seen it since then don't really remember when what but like watching it this week i was like i remembered it very well um but i think um to the point i was getting at like the technological part of the the movie is so incredible and you read about the um the camera shots and the uh, lighting and stuff above the ceiling and the ceiling made of like opaque material and cutting out the floor so that they get just all the technical stuff that is like quintessential movie magic. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. the fact that he brought all the people from, what was it the Mercury theater? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He brought all these yeah. people to make this movie. Well, yeah, all film debuts, like, like the At most, like one. the majority of the main principles are film debuts. And they all, I, we're not going to sit here and name drop because I can't do that. But like in my light research this week, like every single one of film editor, uh, cinematographer, writers, actors, they all go on to be legends. Every single one of them. Absolutely. And the fact yeah. that at the helm of the entire project is a 24-year-old man and the fact that he's been given complete and total creative control. And then goes on to make an anti-establishment movie, is fucking crazy. It is. It's. It's. I mean, I remember when I watched this movie for the first time and got the history, dude. Like <laughs> Orson Welles, like shot straight to the top of my like, you know, my like teen idols list. Like as a young man, like he was an icon for me he he like he went up there with like andy warhol in my world for a long time i mean this dude is awesome i mean and and he the way he just absolutely risked everything and and i yeah i I mean i I, i'm sure he had some like rough nights and i'm sure he had insecurities but i imagine him just like coming in like on the hull of a ship and just like with his knee up George Washington style and just the, he made the movie like on time and under budget and like it got made and there was controversy about it, but like he fucking made the movie. He did. And I feel like he a did, lot of films like this have stories of incompetency and like over budget and being pushed back. And the only like mm-hmm. scheduling things were incurred because of pol- politics sure not because of of him yeah and there's a lot of politics to get into but yeah i mean it's the guy i mean talk about talk about a big 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 first move i mean a big first move like he i mean and they gave him complete control complete control doesn't even happen now so it's like for me the thing that i think about is like it's almost like an independent film situation but it's in the golden age of Hollywood, 
yeah. right? Yeah. And like the yeah, and what and is, is so interesting. And the cinematographer, like, you know, there's all this groundbreaking stuff in 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 this in this movie. And the cinematographer says, you know, basically what happened is I the reason I liked working with with Orson Welles is because he didn't know anything about making movies. And I was tired of working with people who who knew too much about fucking making movies. And what we did is when he had an idea, we tried it. And that's what Orson said. He's like, you know, when I, whatever I could dream up, we, we shot it. We photographed it. Yeah, we did it. I, I read two really interesting things I wanted to throw at you. Um, one, a lot of the photography principal photography for the film was shot under the guise of like test shooting and then later used as like for, for like auditions almost for close-ups and like exterior shots was like they did it for free like they said they were like doing test shooting but really they were just starting to make the movie which i thought was just like ingenious no yeah and then the other I mean, thing this, I, this guy's definitely earns the the genius label right yeah i, I mean, mean i also i so i also decided that the next book i'm reading i want to find like the definitive orson welles biography there you go. I like that. It's wild. Like the it, he like could speak in complete sentences at two years old, and like I love. There's like that's a great YouTube hole. Like Dick Cavett show, like old seventies talk shows mm -hmm. with Orson Welles on it while he's still alive. He like had when he was a child. I don't know the the. Uh, I don't know the specifics of his upbringing or his you know economic background, but he like ha sat at the same table as Adolf Hitler as a child. Like the dude has had like had like the craziest fucking life. Um. Yeah. Like just I crazy. mean he. There, I mean, there's that. Um, there's a great documentary on him. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I can't. For whatever. Uh, they'll love me when I'm dead. Yeah, they'll love oh, me when I'm dead. That in itself is about partially the making of. The Wind movie, right? Uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of that, and I, I know I'm not gonna be able to pull that one out of my ass. Yeah. but but yeah, that I think it, well, it's partly about that, but it goes like because he has these epic struggles making that film, and it goes into the history of why he's having those troubles, which goes into his past history, you know? Yeah. The other side of the wind. The other side of the wind. There you go. Which is yeah. what a fucking epic title. Jesus Christ. This guy. Mean? I mean, but I mean, first up, like, can we just say like. This guy, if he had chosen to just be an actor, would have been like the fucking. I mean, he's like a George Clooney, Brad Pitt. This guy's jawline. He's handsome as fuck. We're all about I man crushes on this show, which I love. But Mega like, man I crush. put on. Yeah, I put on Citizen Kane. I was like. Fuck, Orson Welles is some motherfucker. Why? Is he? And I he's know. like so good at acting. I know, like, and and that's what I. That's like, I watch this movie and I'm like thinking to myself after I'm like, this is before fucking Brando. Like, this is before Brando. Like, this guy is like in it. Like, I mean, he fucking cuts his hands open in, in making this movie. You know, he falls down a flight of stairs when he's chasing, uh, what's his name, Getty. Or yeah, Gettys in the in the 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 fucking political boss that's in the movie, and he's yeah. chasing him down the stairs like he fucking fell ten feet 
down the fucking stairs and like had to chip fucking ankle or some shit, you know, and like had to be in a wheelchair. Like, yeah, he's in it. He he's fucking good and he's so like charismatic and like debonair. It's like, how is this guy not like? How is he not like a bigger name? Like because, he kind of fell in this weird socket. Yeah, I think this film and him are is it's in the golden age of Hollywood, right? Which is the forties, mostly yeah. the forties. And yeah. so what this movie is also is like five different fucking movies in a very unconfusing way. The flashbacks and everything, but there's like there's the political side of it. There's like kind of a buddy side of it there's like a freudian fucking thing and i yeah. think the the reason this film is like a composite movie and it's so many different things and i think orson wells was a composite character in human being as a creator and i think that is the detriment to his maybe uh general like i mean he's obviously uber fucking famous but maybe he's not as famous to people our age now because of that, because he was had his hands in so many pots. But I think it's the reason why Citizen Kane has such long legs is because in this transition period of Hollywood, when like musicals start taking over and like the the spy movie comes of age ten years later, and like this movie has everything, so it can live on through all these different iterations of Hollywood as you know all these different kind of movies start getting made is that fair do you think oh it's absolutely fair i mean and it it does have a little bit of everything i mean and and just that there's something ingenious in the writing which the dispute over the writing which we'll get to when we're talking about mank but there's some i mean it's so important to remember this is 1941 it's pre i mean it's not pre-world war ii it's pre like u.s World this War is II. like 1941. This is like a couple of years after The Wizard of Oz and like Gone with the Wind to like which, sweep the fucking nation. Which Mankiewicz wrote, which is I, which is crazy. I know, right? Right? And it's like, so you have to, the, the fact that this thing is set through a reporter, an investigative reporter, and it's in this like oral tradition kind of a fashion where this reporter's going and he's interviewing people trying to find out what what's Rosebud? What is Rosebud? Because his editor just needs to have Rosebud for his film reel. And it's like, that is so fucking far ahead of its goddamn time. It's not even fucking funny. It's yeah. just not even funny. You don't see shit like that for like another 20 years in cinema. Like, you just don't... I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you might maybe everywhere, every now and again, but like... On, on such a grand scale, like this is so far ahead of its time. And it's like you said, it's not confusing, but it is a bunch of different movies because it's a bunch of different people telling their story that's, of Kane. And that's why what, what you saying that small part of it, the investigative journalism part of it exists 20 years later. I think yep. that's why the movie is the unofficial greatest movie of all time is, is because if there's any waning of popularity in the in the film, twenty years later, guess what becomes popular? Investigative journalism and all the president's men and like what? Watergate and shit. And then how is what movie is relevant from 1942? Fucking Citizen Kane. And yeah. like it just gets swept as things change. It's this composite film because he's such a visionary. Like the way that he portrays media, which is obviously a true to life representation of Willie Randolph Hearst. It's kind of like I kind of I, I thought you might like this, Kane is to William Randolph Hearst as the master is to L. Ron Hubbard. 
Yeah, I mean, I actually would argue that it's, I mean, shit, I would say that Kane and Hurst are far closer, like far closer as individuals. Like the, I, yeah, I mean, I feel you. Yes. In that vein. But I just think that the, that the, that the, the margin is smaller. Yes, by by a bit, and yeah. I think a big reason why the margin is so much smaller and closer to true to life is because Benkowitz was a close friend of William Randolph Hearst. Absolutely, 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 and and I think also this movie was made as a political statement. The master was not, not at all. I mean, why? No, why? I just meant like as a as a. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, but what I, I'm only I'm only bringing that context not to like dispute anything, but to say that like you know when you're making the master, you can say it is to L. Ron Hubbard, but then at the end of the day, you're writing about someone who really has no sway in anything. Like yes, Scientology is a thing, but like L. Ron Hubbard doesn't fucking matter. Like so, the, you the need disguise, the disguise subject of the film is like involved in yes. The release, like, is trying to like sue. Yes, for you peace. get drama from making it more, more like the actual person. You get drama just from that, you know. And in my light research and stuff, like, and as a Hollywood fan, this, it, like, the 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 celebrity thing is just starting to become what kind of what it is today. Like people yeah. were talking about hearst trying to keep the movie from being made and the people were talking about that it was about him and people were talking about that the person who wrote the film was friends with him and it was a whole fucking thing and like his mistress in the movie was a real actress and people knew what the film was about and like to think that's such like a modern situation it is there's a lot of imagine like in pre-world war ii america something like William William Randolph first like is like a Zuckerberg esque person persona even bigger or a uh, or a uh, uh, Goebbels or Goebbels esque person. Are they I mean, them in the same boat. Um, I don't know if they're in the same boat, but I might you might reach more in that direction because like that's where my brain's going right now because you have to realize, well, what okay, Kane released in forty one about Hearst. Let's just say air quotes around it. Mank, very much about the 30s. Yeah. Very much about the 30s. And I know I'm always colored by what I'm reading, and I'm reading a big book about the, you know, the Third Reich and all of that good shit. So I'm deep in it. But like, you, that's kind of what, I mean, Mank reveals a lot of that. And like, that's a lot of what I want to chew on. But like, I would put Hearst more in, you know, in a in a propaganda minister kind of a uh, uh, vibe. Well, you know I think I mean? that I think Kane like exposes him as like he's he's creating the wars. Yeah, I mean, I can't. You know, I'm gonna fuck up the quote. I never can remember it exactly, but basically what he's saying is like, you give me the fucking pictures. I'll give you the wars. I'll give you the wars. Like you just send me pictures of what's. Oh, I'll you give send you the me headlines. pictures of the fucking island. You know, and and I'll do everything else. Like I just need some tangible shit from over there, and I'll do everything else. You know, I'm struck with the memory of a favorite film of mine. <laughs> uh oh, a musical. Here we go. About headlines and carrying the banner. 
It's a little film called Newsies. <laughs> and there's one scene where one of the young Newsies is learning the tricks of the trade and selling as many papes as possible. And um, they learn the, the art of embellishing the headline. Mm. You know, a flock of seagulls desecrates crowd of people or two nudes found dead on a train track instead of, you know, one seagull found dead on a beach or dead body found next to a train track. And I wanted to take any chance I could get to insert newsies into our program. But my point is that the power of the headline becomes a real thing in in this this era. Well, know? and and so uh, like I said how, how Mank does a lot of dissection of some stuff that's happening in society, Kane points a beautiful lens on that when he takes over that newspaper you that's a very important scene in that film because when he goes into that newspaper they're all standing up it's very fucking cordial it's very 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 old world like think think dickens scrooge you know and the way he treated his what was his name what's his name fucking um uh, Mick Scrooge. Bob Donald Mick Scrooge. Bob Cratchit. R- Ratchet. Cratchit. What's his name? What's his fucking name? I'm blanking right now. Come on, help Donald, me out. Donald Mick Scrooge. Whatever. Okay. So the way, like, it's it's like a it's like a like a bank would operate. Like they're very gentlemen's code. Like everybody stands up when the boss comes in and all yeah. this stuff. And they're very studious and academic. And and Kane comes in and he's telling him, no, we need to be a little more sensational Well, because the tabloid's selling X number of papers and we're only selling this number. And the guy's fighting him on it. And then the movie shows him turn that whole newsroom over and he turns it into a tabloid slash newspaper. And he shows in that film that entire process happening where sensation becomes more important than fact, than just reportage you know like reporting my favorite scene in mank is in the last 20 minutes is when mank is wasted and pointing a finger at um charles uh, charles dance's character rolling around our first character and he's he's reading a quote about people who were scared of what hearst was doing early on his career and he's like he's gonna start a socialist revolution because he's like putting power in the people and 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 in citizen kane Early on, like Kane is trying to like you like you like Kane. You're for Kane. He's trying to tell the truth, You're and like his Kane. critics are like, he's gonna start a socialist revolution, and then to say that later in his life when he's become the capitalist person that he is, his comrade gets pit to use the word comrade gets like, how dare you say that? And it's yep. like motherfucker, that's exactly what he was trying set it set off to do initially. He, I mean, he, he absolutely did. He, and Kane does a great job of that. Like, that's why, why I think that's why Kane, that movie probably seared or chapped, you know, William Randolph Hearst's ass so badly. Because it, it told it like it was. It did. And it, it put him in a beautiful, favorable light at times. And then it put him in a gnarly light. I mean, he, that in that it film, showed his It showed his hypocrisy and his it, lust it, the, for power over truth. Just like the back of the box said, it is really the rise and the fall. Because he, you do, you're with him. You, like, there's a reason that guy got to such heights. And he does, you know, but 
that takes so there's a very critical scene in Citizen Kane, which really it's the it's the turning point. It, it's probably, you know, I'm not enough of a theater nerd to know, but it's probably like the end of the first act would be my guess. The rising action. And it's when Kane hires the entire staff from the competing newspaper because they sell more, they have better circulation. So he hires all of their journalists to come to his paper and they're having the party and he keeps whooping around and he's saying, you know, are we going to go to war? Are we going to go to war? And da, 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 da. And his two closest friends, Jed and Bernstein are talking and Jed's telling him, you know, he's kind of asking him like, you know, did you ever think that maybe he's like, you ever wonder how these writers really liked the, what was it? The inquire? They were all Inquirer, about the, yeah. the inquirers policy policies. And now they're all about ours. And, they, and he's kind of quizzing them. Like, don't you, do you ever, do you ever think that this move of taking what they do and trying to fold it in is going to change Kane? And from that point, he does change. That's when he antagonizes the war and he realizes that he's given, he, he realizes that what he started was an information machine to help people, but then he figured out how powerful it was. And he knows that he can sway influence, you know? Yeah. So there's two things I want to touch on, but for what you just said, the first thing is that this is pre us involvement in world war two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how afterwards, the subsequent... Well, this is, this is over the Panama Canal. Spanish, yeah. This is Spanish War, right? Spanish-American War is what he's talking about? I believe so, but I'm talking about Citizen Kane in the context of its release. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. Yeah. And so, and afterwards, the, the films that Orson Welles makes afterwards are, are just, like, very much, like, World War II influenced and, like, about that. And I just think it's so there's that point that it's pre-World War II and the fact that what you just described is so poignantly accurate for what we're living in now. Mm. And it's it it's unbelievable how how Citizen Kane as a film um you know predicted that for lack of a better word, and also how William Randolph Hearst and his 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 uh, transformation and his journey is not unlike the other magnates of media and and outlets that we have in our lives today. I know. And now that you bring up, now that you say what you just said, I'm like, yeah, the Zuckerberg reference, like go ahead and throw him in there with Yosef. I mean, what's it's you like know, what's exactly up? the same fucking thing, dude. It is. Hey, it's, let's it's get drunk in a dorm room and like make a fun kind of sleazy way to connect with people. And Hey, it'll evolve into just sharing memories and, and family. Fast forward. We're going to take over an election. Yeah. Like, doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, it does. And it's like it, it, and, and that's kind of, that's, that's a great, a great, you know, thing to bring in because it, Citizen Kane really does do a great job of showing. I mean, and if, if you think about it, it's like, it's at a time, like you said, when media is changing and what newspapers are becoming is, are, is changing. And, you know, Kane and Hearst rode this and he realized what he had and then he proceeded to manipulate it to become incredibly wealthy and powerful. And you could say exactly the same thing about Zuckerberg. He, he saw power. 
So like yeah. he starts with trying to like make this true thing, and then he embraces yellow journalism. And I I referenced earlier this this is like the dawn of celebrity. There's mm-hmm. two daily newspapers come or like two newspapers coming out a day that people read every single day. And celebrity is huge, and like the flapper movement has come and gone. So like, like, and it's the gilded age, right? So like, fantastical, beautiful things people want because everyone's fucked, and like it's the rise of celebrity, and it's where everyone knows we're about to go into our second world war, and it's just like, it's it's a perfect storm for. But we're also coming out of the Great Depression, and we're ready to fucking party. I mean, to be completely honest, that's part of why that celebrity shit catches on is people start getting caught up in this. I'm not struggling anymore. Oh, wait, I've got a little free time. Let me find out what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, and the media is there now. Yeah, I feel you 100%. And And the media, you know, doesn't just report on it. They sensationalize it and they, you know stir people up and they make people do crazier things to sell more fucking headlines. And it's exactly the same thing that we have today. And I think it's now that I'm thinking about it, it's really ironic and poignant and cool that our first episode of this season was the social network. That's what I was thinking just a second ago. Uh, And and we did that and you brought up that Zuckerberg. It's like throw him in and it's Fincher. It's the whole fucking... I know! It's It's the same... Citizen Kane is social network, right? It is. Dude, I really we're at the bar. We we're talking about debate. fucking Citizen Kane, and we just fucking had a weird full circle moment. We did. I really hope that we get the mank of of the social network in the future. I really fucking do. Well, I didn't realize till far embarrassingly too late that Atticus Ross and uh, uh, Trent Reznor, Trent Reznor Nails, baby. Did the incredible soundtrack for Mank. Dude, this guy, fucking Trent Reznor, is like a Tony away from an EGOT, bro. This guy is like almost doing the, the fucking quadruple of entertainment awarddom. And like he's one fucking Tony away. He just needs good. a musical. That's it. I think I'd, it'd be a dark fucking musical, but I'd pay to see it. Oh, shit, he can, all he's got to do is write the music for it, right? You can win a Tony for that. Absolutely. I can't yeah. wait to talk about that. The sound for Mank is fucking really interesting. It is. It is. Um, what else do you, what else do you have for, for Kane? Well, I mean, it's We could go I, on for fucking hours. Yeah, I mean, I think it I think it's probably just a little important to talk about and you kind of touched over on, but like some of the stuff that that comes with Citizen Kane that doesn't come before. And it's like yeah. They pioneered the deep shot, so the ability to have the foreground in focus and the background in focus. So the example of that in the film that's really, really, really early in the movie is you see, you know, Kane's mother talking in the window, but you see Kane pl- throwing snowballs, and both people are in focus. And, you know, before that, they they really hadn't figured that out yet. You know, again, filmmaking is what fucking the jazz singer came out in 27 so talking fucking movies are only 13 14 15 years old at this point so it's not like they had figured everything the fuck out by this point um another one is the composite shots 
which is something that comes, you know, like there, that's why I thought it was interesting when you said that, that Orson Welles was like a composite character, because it's like the ones, the one shot that really sticks out to me is when they're talking to Jedediah and he's in the nursing home and like, he's sitting in a chair and then behind him is like a whole other shot of like this nursing home. It's like this, they, they've superimposed images on top shit that like, you know, Fincher does, which we talked about in our episode about him earlier, like that they're doing today with digital photography. They were doing it in, in that, you know, back then. And, and like you said, wrapping the ceilings in muslin to hide the fucking microphone. So you could show the ceiling in a room for the first time ever, you know, cutting holes in the floor to shoot up at Kane to make him look like this imposing figure. And this is all this artistic shit that no one was fucking with. I, I did read that like a lot of the camera stuff they didn't invent. No, they 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 perfected. They they dialed like it the, in. Yeah, uh, the 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 one scene in particular that you referenced with the young kid version of the kid outside playing in the snow when it comes back, and there was like the the table that the people were sitting at would like come apart, and yep. the camera would pass through it, and then the table would come back together. So the perspective was never compromised. And then the famous one, which I have always loved, is like the big political rally scene, and it's just like pieces of paper and cut out holes to make it look like people are clapping and light mm-hmm. is shining. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's just so much stuff that they were like, again, they didn't invent a lot of this stuff, but they they dialed it the fuck in, like they put it in movie. They put it in movies effectively. The like the mirror room scene, I think, is indicative of the whole film, where it's you know four or five different tracks of logic trying to get the story about one person, and I feel like the whole movie is just like a funhouse scene, you know, and and that scene in particular is so famous. And I every time I watch it, that's what I think about. It's like this movie is that. Is all these turning mirrors like trying to get the truth, and people are just juggling with it? Um, there's one thing about Orson Welles I I really wanted to like a comparison or thought I wanted to share was going back to him like having complete control, and up until that point, and even now, like I said, it's almost like an independent filmmaker's sort of vibe that he has mm-hmm. all of that power, mm-hmm. and like other than like uh, Buster Keaton, other than comedians like. Uh, Charlie Chaplin like who else up until that point had that much control making films and that's that's true and again he's 24 fucking years old and has Mm -hmm. never made a movie before Mm -hmm. and he was uber famous War of the Worlds radio personality he was incredibly famous he wasn't Mm -hmm. like new to being an entertainer he was new to Hollywood and just like again just to backtrack a little bit on the astonishing start to this man's career like even now, like who has that kind of control in Hollywood to make those kind of movies? Um, Tarantino, like Nolan, Sp- but no, 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 dude, no, not even those dudes aren't acting in the movies. Well, they're I mean, not acting, writing, directing, producing all of those movies. Well, I mean, sure, but like when you're talking about, I mean, when you're talking about who gets control. They those guys get full control, like sure, they, but, but they're also <laughs> so then they hire the producers and the actors that they want. Do you sure. see what I mean? Like, so if no, they, I, I mean, agree with you. I'm just saying, Tarantino also, has acted, written, directed, but not starred in, 
No, not starting. Like Orson Welles is Kane. Tour de Force. I'm absolutely. There's no. It's unparalleled, man. This is unparalleled. Like I, let me think for fucking five seconds. Do the right thing. Spike Lee, stars, directed, wrote it. That's the only thing I can get that comes even fucking close to that. And just a moment of thinking about film history, I can't think of anybody who did some shit like that. I think it's like the closest you can get to. That's the only thing I can come up with. And I'm not, I'm just saying know, like, just... those guys do get, they get control over their films, which even today is like an echelon that not everyone gets. Like the like studio. people probably. Yeah, the studio can fuck your shit up anytime they want. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So this is and a the, big deal. Big and deal. And the fact that the that. studio and politics and, you know, other outlying sources tried to fuck his shit up and they couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fucking awesome. Dude, the guy's a hero, man. He's a beast. He's an absolute fucking beast. He's a genius. Get, yeah. And also, highly recommend that documentary. The oh, Love Me When I'm Dead. Oh, That's The Love the, Me When I'm Dead. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's very 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 good, very good. Yeah. Do you want to transition and talk about Mank? I think we probably should. It's a good time. I'm I'm tired of holding so much stuff back, trying to talk about Kane. So what what were your first impressions of the film? Um. Well, my first impressions were hearing some ch- chatter on the internet about what reviewers had said. And I kind of went into it maybe expecting like a dry kind of film. Um, And I watched it and I just thought, I knew what I was in for right away. Super dialogue, heavy film. Every word matters. If you're not listening, you don't know what's going on. Like, you can pretend that you know what's going on, but if you ain't listening, you don't know what's going on. And because if you... This is the kind of movie, and I love this kind of movie. I love this kind of movie. This is the kind of movie where if you pick up your phone to check Instagram... It's over. (laughs) ...for 30, 45 seconds, you might have fucked up, and you might be... You could be in a whole different timeline doing comes and you after that point you have no fucking clue what's going on you're lost you got to be in this movie i I didn't i didn't expect mank to like pay so much homage to citizen kane in a lot of ways but it does do it its backbone is is uh is flashbacks it is which is another thing that kane kind of not they didn't invent it, but they did it in a way they did it in the right way and made it like legit. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, it, the, the bank is a story about a writer first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I said earlier, when we first started today, I, this is not the movie I was expecting. So, so what were you expecting? Let's, let's ask that question. Well, uh, before I knew what the word mank meant, you know, and, and the importance of that and that, that man and his involvement in the film, I didn't, I didn't know any of that story that he, you know, was a, an old head and kind of a washed up alcoholic and but also wrote wizard of Oz and kind of Orson Welles tapped him to, you know, pen this story with the 
expectation that he would uh, Wells would get all the credit, um, and that th- this man's trepidation in his journey to make this film was in and of itself, outside of the quote unquote greatest movie ever made, was a story willing to listen to. That was a big comma semicolon action there. What I wanted was behind the scenes of Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we get. Nope. Nope. We get context for Citizen Kane. Yeah, I mean, you get Orson Welles for what? Two minutes, maybe. Literally. Yeah. All the way through, two minutes. This man's story, Mankiewicz's story of getting this script done and his 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 trials and trepidations is, is like incredible. And I think it's because of his closeness to the text, which is William Randolph Hearst. Mm-hmm. And his closeness to the origins of Hollywood and media and the truth of what Citizen Kane is about. He is in the fucking shit. And I don't, and I think that that's why, you know, we talked about how Fincher's father wrote the original screenplay for the movie Mank. And I, I don't know. I, I, it was so over my head before I watched it. And I even said before we got on, I can't wait to watch this movie again because I don't fully understand all of it because it's such a dense piece of text um wasn't what i wanted wasn't what i was expecting but an incredible film and just like like i said a little over my head like aesthetically there are moments i'll never forget watching for the first time like the scene when he first goes to the actress on the she's like getting burned at the stake and there's a light behind her and the way the light's treated and the halo on it i'm just like this is like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and then like the audio of the film has this like absence it sounds like i'm in a movie theater with the dialogue and the way it's treated, like mm. it was just so unique and amazing. And I got, I told you I watched this movie at six, seven o'clock in the morning and it was, it was moving. It was like, I, it's, it's an incredible movie. It really is like special. It is. It's a fucking history lesson is what it is. Yeah. This movie chronicles a whole lot of shit. I mean, and it is beautiful. Uh, my only aesthetic squabble with it is, you know, so it was shot digitally, which that's just, that's Fincher shit, you know, yeah. and, and per usual hundreds of takes sometimes to get okay, shit so right. I don't know which, much about that. So indulge me with, and, well, no, I mean, it's just the, the, the shit. The only thing I know is like, you know, uh, Amanda Seafried said that she did like 200 takes for one of her scenes and that it took almost two weeks. And if I had to give my best guess that that would be the night stroll at San Simeon scene. Um, but I don't know. I mean, because that's one of the, look, one of the best parts about great directors being able to make films on Netflix is they get to do what they want, which isn't that, which is ironic. It, well, which is one of the reasons why this film even got made. Apparently, this film was supposed to be made in the late 90s. Yeah. His father wrote it along. I mean, his, his dad passed away in like 03 or some shit like that. And he, I mean, it, it was supposed to be made in the late 90s, but they or one of the Finchers insisted upon it being in black and white. And it just didn't get made because the studios. Didn't think people would pay attention to a black and white movie, but Netflix gives directors the op- like license. Again, why do you get a three and four, three hour, forty five minute long Irishman? Because Netflix allows a filmmaker to make the movie they've always wanted to make. 
You know what I mean? Like it's okay. a passion. They give them. Hayden, what, what is it? I just. Can we have a sidebar? Sure, sidebar. All of Martin Scorsese's movies are that fucking long. So the next time I hear someone complain about the next new Scorsese movie, about how long it is, can go fuck themselves. Of course. I agree. I mean, Because they I'm, haven't been paying attention. I'm a, I am a fucking patron saint of long movies, okay? I love long movies. I'm for Same. them. I'm here for them. But what I'm getting at is... That was a passion project for Scorsese. He had had it for a while. People had, they just, for whatever reason, did not let him make it. Maybe the budget was too high. The technology wasn't there, yada, 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 so on and so forth. But that's one of the things you get. But one of the things I don't like is I want to be able to buy these films on Blu-ray. Maybe Netflix is going to start doing that, but I'm a special features fucking geek. I like to have that shit because I like to know... Some of the best special features I've ever seen in my fucking life are the ones for social network. Yeah, so dude, if, it's amazing. if you it, like, it's going to be a major pitfall if I don't get something like that for make, like I'm going to want that. You know what I mean? Um, but, but anyway, it just, uh, I think I, I don't even remember what we were talking about originally, but I think make is a, it does a whole lot, but I said it's a history lesson. And that's the biggest takeaway for me was like, not only, so this this thing chronicles the real power of William Randolph Hearst, like, like his power over presidential administrations. Shit. Sound familiar? Which is real. Yeah, yeah, sound familiar. You know, um, his overall fucking influence. But it also chronicles the creation of the modern political ad, which maybe we have Mr. Mank to thank for, you know, and that's something that it's a, it's a small part of this film, but it's a big part of this film. Big, no, big it's fucking a huge part, part of this film. Yeah. And, and, and you see the vested interests that be come together to crush Upton Sinclair's run for California governor, which was probably about the last chance for an actual socialist to get elected before the word socialist goes into a boogie hole it for fucking taboo. 80 years. Yes. Yeah. You know, like you're seeing so much fucking shit. And like one of the biggest things that like absolutely tripped me out was when I realized, cause I watched Kane first, then I watched make absolutely would recommend that for those of you who have not seen either or want no, to watch them both. Definitely the, that's definitely the order to do it. Because when you find out that Bernstein's character is fucking L.B. Meyer from fucking MGM Metro Studios. Yeah. Metro Golden, yeah. You're like, what the fuck? This, this dude this makes guy movies? Is lackey. Yeah. This guy's like basic bitch, like butler, like secretary. Secretary of propaganda, dude. Of like the biggest fucking movie theater on Secretary earth. Secretary of propaganda. Fucking I'm third telling right you, man, shit, dude. It it really, and, and you know, and they have their talks about that. You know, it, that's the thing is like, and that's the cut of this fucking film is it gets into like, I mean, what, what do you fucking think The Wizard of Oz is about? Right, folks? Like, what do you fucking think that's about? Because if you didn't realize, it, it's about like, you're being controlled and living in a world where you're being kind of fed bullshit if you didn't get it 
you know, and the same guy wrote both these movies, you know, and then the third movie we're talking about here is about the guy who wrote the fucking movies. Like, he was a socialist, folks. What did his brother say to him? Time. I love the scene when his brother comes to visit him and his leg's broken and stuff, and he's he's showing concern for Mank because of the content. He's like, he read the script, and it's floating around Hollywood. Like, people know it exists. Before, yep. like, year, like, 18 months before the film's made. Yep. There's another part where, like, I read your script that Emmanuel Seafried's character says, and he's like, who hasn't? In any case, he's like, you know, I'm worried about you, man. Like, Hearst knows about it. Like, you're never going to work again, blah, blah, blah. And he's casting despair on the situation. And as his brother's walking away, Mank says, you know, I'm, I've washed up, and I have been for a long time. And right before his brother gets in the car, he says, he doesn't say this. I'll just give context. He's like, I know I just like came here to tell you not to do this because I'm scared for you, but this is the best thing you've ever written. Yeah, yeah. He does say the last part. He doesn't say the first part. Yes, right, you're right. right. Yeah, but that's what he says. Yeah. I mean, it's that was what was so beautiful to me was Kane. We talked about it. This big anti-establishment movie. And then Mank is kind of like, no, but really. Like, like you don't understand. Really. Like, you don't understand the guy who wrote this movie was literally, like, actually a socialist. At, a, at, at the last time in this country when socialism actually had a fucking chance, when we could have gone the direction of that, like, Scandinavian socialist democracy kind of forum that we all want to kind of move to now, like... That's the I'm last telling, time we had I'm telling that. you, man, that scene in the last 20 minutes when he's wasted in oh, the bank great. at the costume party. It's fucking amazing. And Charles Dance, that actor who I think we all, not you, but like I, I didn't know who he was until Game of Thrones or whatever, but he's such a beautiful actor. Like he, he was in the show. Sorry. I don't was. know. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Not you, two and episodes. He, you, you, he'd probably be your favorite character. He was amazing. But who, like, who is he in the movie though? Can you? Oh, Willie Randolph first. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Great, great performance. He plays like the, the evil dad. Yeah. Okay. Any case, that scene's amazing. Yeah. Where he's detailing, he's basically detailing the arc of Citizen Kane in the movie to uh, Willie Randolph Hearst as all the partygoers take turns leaving as they realize how uncomfortable and fucking real. This man's trajectory is that he starts as a man of the people and he's going to do a true journalism and he's going to hold the truth sayers accountable <clears throat> and it's going to be like a dawn of a new era. And now look where the fuck you are at a dinner party jerking each other off in a fucking castle. Castle. People were scared of you because they thought you were going to start a socialist revolution. And now, now look at you. Yes. Yep. 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 And that's exactly the essence of Citizen Kane. It is. It is. It. I mean, it is the essence of Citizen Kane, and and the best part of it all, though, is and rightfully so. I mean, kudos to you, fucking Jack Fincher. Like brilliance, where brilliance is due. The parable of the organ grinder's monkey. What a fucking jeed out, fucking dude. That's as he's it. walking him out. As it's he's walking everything. Out of his house. It's everything. It's when everything. You... It's everything. It's everything. When I say you dance, you dance. Yeah. And and more importantly, more importantly, just because you dance 
doesn't mean I laugh. Mm. That's the real point. You think that when you dance, I'm entertained. But just because you dance does not mean I am entertained. I decide when I'm entertained. That's the fucking crate. That's and that's the that was like this beautiful fucking cherry on top of that. And, and by the way, like let's not like Mankiewicz, maybe the great one of the greatest writers of all time in cinema. Maybe you could you could easily make a case, right? Jack Fincher. He wrote Fincher. The Wizard of Oz and Citizen Kane and then died I mean, at 55. Jack Sorry, Fincher. Sorry, that sounds like great to me. Beautiful, beautiful homage to a great writer because this is a fucking impeccably well-written film. Impeccably well-written it's film. For, it's, it's, it's a writer's movie. Oh, it's definitely a fucking... Oh, this yeah. thing is fucking full. Like, one of my, my, one of my favorite lines, and I know, like, I'm such a geek. It's the stupid little thing. He's on the phone with poor Sarah, and he tells her, kiss the offspring for me. It's like, kiss the offspring for me? I fucking love that line. Like, it's just, there's, that, the whole script is like this dialogue train, right? And it's just riddled with beautiful, beautiful fucking prose. Just great fucking shit. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's really lush in the writing department. You want to talk about Gary Oldman? Fucking Gary Oldman, dude. We get enough. We didn't even plan this. We did not even plan this. Gary Oldman is getting, like, we, this is what we get for excluding him from the first season of the show. We had to double tap him in the second season. I got to tell you, the Winston Churchill shit kind of put me in a fucking place. You know my fucking (laughs) diatribe about that goddamn movie. He had to do it so he could go get him an Oscar, man. That's how it rolls. They they just, Wells have done that. What's that? Orson Welles have done that? No, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, Gary Oldman's Gary fucking Oldman. He is. And I almost take him for granted in this movie, to be honest. I think Gary Oldman goes away in this movie, which is... I don't think he's as important as he has been in other... Like Uh, you're saying, the script and the writing is so immersive, and it's so about the story. He... Like, uh, 45 minutes ago, we mentioned him, and I thought about this, and I'm glad I remembered that, remembered it without writing it down. Gary Oldman is the kind of character actor, like, total immersive, crazy artist actor, where he uh, is driving a role, and he's obviously working with the director. I've never seen Gary Oldman be a vehicle for a movie Yeah, before yeah. this movie. He is so much more a part of this movie than he is, than the movie is like a part of his performance. And like, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I think that there characters that Gary Oldman has played in the past, you know, um, you would think almost that the writer wrote them for an actor to really tee the fuck off on. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've talked about some of those roles, but like this is one of those things and I'm reminded of that quote from, I want to say it's Tarantino, where he says that he treats actors like stars yeah, and yeah, stars yeah. like actors. Like, yeah. this you said is that one for of Foxy those, Brown, yeah. Yeah, or Jackie Brown, but this is Jackie one of Brown, those, sorry. I mean, Foxy Brown works. Um, but this is one of those 
times where you have like a legit actor who just is like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in service. Like you said to this story, because this story is what is there now. They needed a really fucking phenomenal goddamn actor to yeah. play Mank, right? They needed that, but they needed an actor who could humble themselves into not trying to show the fuck off, not trying to make Mank more than Mank is because, like, arguably the most difficult acting scene or the, the most chops that Oldman shows is in that scene we were just talking about, the, you know, at the party where he shows up and he's wasted and he's telling the, you know... But we're quick. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Gary Oldman was actually wasted. I can 100% believe that. I kind of, I would put like money on it. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like the right groups and the right like actors, I think they're going to like, if my character's drunk, I'm going to be drunk. I just happened to watch a YouTube video of Anthony Hopkins talking about Gary Oldman. Oh yeah. And masters. He, Anthony Hopkins talks about, he's like, I saw a young me. It was during, it was shooting a Dracula Coppola's Dracula. Mm -hmm. And Coppola was not performing. Well, he wasn't being a good director. He wasn't giving direction to, uh, and well, so much blow Hopkins says like, Gary Oldman is the consummate wild, like self-destructive madman artist. And he's, and he's also a brawler. And he's like, I saw, I saw my young self in Gary Oldman trying to fight, you know, physically and emotionally and intellectually with the director. And he talked about Gary Oldman coming to Anthony Hopkins dressing room and just standing there and like swaying with his brow down. You've seen me do it. Just and like Anthony Hopkins would be what's that? A little bit. He said, What do you need? What what's up? And he said Gary Oldman would just walk away. He would just stumble away. And he he he's like, I never tried to talk to Gary Oldman about his drinking because Anthony Hopkins said, A man's drink is between himself and his drink. I'm not gonna have an intervention with someone That's about right. it. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yep. And 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 Hopkins is like thirty years sober or something. Like Yeah, he, for a reason. But yeah. he talks about how Gary Oldman's the real fucking deal. <laughs> well, he is. He absolutely is. And that that definitely makes sense. And I think that, you know, you need someone who can get, you know, this character's not a light character. He is, you're going to dark places. Like, yeah. this guy's in struggle. And he, you know, like, one of my favorite scenes from this movie is the election scene. And that's the real throwback to Kane when the clock is, like, morphing around his head and the lights are flickering. And... I feel like at that moment, Mankiewicz knows. I think he knows that because he's just realized this whole thing about how MGM has basically created the modern political ad by through himself. What's the word I'm looking at? Lying. Just, just no, like throwing it all to the wind and straight up fabricating stuff. He realizes that. He's seen the effect of it. I think he knows where the world's at. Hitler's building concentration camps, burning books, and the powerful people in the country want to just ignore it. You know, um, I think that his character knows that it's over. Like, that, that, that there's, 
maybe a moral battle, like a battle, if you will, for the soul of a society, a nation has been lost for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I felt that, that moment. And I think the response to that moment within that film is when he asks Orson Welles for credit. Yeah, it is because he realizes that no, I'm going to put my name on this because this is what it is. And I want, because he feels guilty, I think, which is also why and, and he wants to be responsible. Away his gambling debt on an election that he knows is already over because yeah. he cannot allow the fact that, that someone paid him air quotes for an idea that he didn't even know he had. He was just making a smart ass fucking comment. You know, and they paid him for that idea and he sees what happened. He had to absolve himself of that. So he's like, you know what? You gave me $12,000 and wiping my gambling debt. Fuck you. I'll bet you double or nothing. I'll go into debt twice as much for what I believe in. And he really does become this martyr of a character like this. This uh, I don't know. Like it's 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 like Citizen Kane is the Hollywood version of the story. And this move, the Mank shows that that story that you just told, the trajectory of Mank and, and who he was as a man, his awareness of his place in America. So Citizen Kane also, um, the original title was American. American. And so Fincher so choosing good. to tell the story about Mank is the real essence of the struggle of, of truth in that, you know— Maybe at that time in America, but as we've discovered through Fincher and his other films in our show, now in America in general, and the power of truth and and media, and it's it's not just an American story, but these two films are the American story. Yeah, and it's it's humbling. These watching these two movies and doing the research that we've done and having this kind of conversation has been humbling. How simple the truth is, and how apparent and obvious it is and how it's up to you to be in control of it and i think that's really like the message of the films or how much control you don't have maybe um yeah yeah i mean it's 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 yeah it's complicated it's a it's a it's amazingly relevant but but i think you you have to make being such a good film such a good movie literally only adds to the greatness of Citizen Kane. It just adds more text. It just adds more depth. That's it. It just makes that film even that much greater that someone makes a movie about. Like, let me just tell you how this even came to happen. But the fact that there's a movie made about the movie is pretty fucking substantial. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, like when it's, we talked about Kane, we were talking about the technology and like the how it like grabbed hold of advancements and, and pushed them to the limits, and how great Orson Welles is. And it's like, also, just so you guys know, how the man, how the man who wrote the story got it made, and and the story of the man who wrote it is like just as incredible as the fake story that you're watching and the real story it's based yep. on. Like, yep, it's yep. I love that you smiled when I brought up that the title, the original title was American because this is America. 
It's perfect. It's, it's actually the be- it's actually a far and there's better no title. fucking way in 1942 that this movie would no. have been released called American. No, no way. But, no way. But to add another no. parallel, we've made a lot of Nazi parallels today. Wouldn't that have been the most fucking succinct propaganda thing if it was called American? It would that's, be perfect. It would be perfect. It would have been and, Nazi and Germany. I, like straight and I think fuck up. That, I think that I think that that title is the better title. I really do. And I think I take. Isn't it weird? How that well that's what that's what that's what the film makes me think about, man, more than anything is like that might have been that time period right before between the world wars may have been the only time in our history that we actually had to like strike the right course. And and I think we're it's amazing how similar the situations are to today i mean to right now i think it it is you know creatively and artistically i think citizen kane happened in the right time for it to have still be talking about it in 2021 but i also think that like what you just said is also true like it was just created in the perfect back like the perfect window it was and you know the craziest thing too is like it was this movie was made in 1941, and like you said, it's the ultimate anti-establishment movie. But here we are in 2021, and a movie like this can't get made. This movie can't get made. You sh- you show me the movie that's that's talking even, about the fucking you know even, like even Social Network doesn't touch on like no, not on oh, the no. same level, no. Social network actually almost is more of a mank <laughs> than than it is the Citizen Kane. You know what I mean? Like it, re- well, it, it almost well, is. Was, uh, Social network dips its toe into glorifying Mark Zuckerberg's journey, where Citizen Kane is not a glorification whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. I mean, it's it. it I just think it's wild that that we're living in a time when when we know so much, but, but like you really could, like you couldn't make a movie that indicted the like mainstream media like this today. You couldn't make this movie about, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Zucker or Roger Ailes. Like even, even with Roger Ailes, the Fox, the guy who started Fox news, you, you, the movie you get about him is about the fact that he was a, fucking horrible sexual harasser which rightfully yeah. so like shed sure. some light on that but the you won't get the movie that shows how he made the sausage that was fox fucking news yeah you're not getting that you're not getting network you know what i mean you're not yeah. getting movies like that today i i hope that another window arises where that movie can be made again and i hope it's soon i fucking hope so too because if it doesn't happen maybe somebody's just gonna have to get off their lazy asses and make it happen themselves So, anyway, I think this was a really cool thing that we kind of stumbled upon because, like you said, I think we both thought we were just going to get this, like, super cool, like, really cool, like, no shit. I used that word on purpose, like, behind the scenes, Citizen Kane nope. vibe. No, not at all. You get, you get a, like, a fucking history lesson, like, yeah. legit. You're going to school for a while, like, 
I really encourage anybody who listens to our show that loves movies the way that we do, and not only do you love fucking dodgeball, um, but that you love watching movies that make you think and spark good conversations with contemporaries and peers, watch both of these movies in the same week uh, in 2020. Oh, definitely. And it'll be good for you. You'll be better for it. You, and you, you don't need us to fucking tell you that. But You don't, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and second that. I mean, just officially, like... Yes, it is a good vibe. I mean, and and I'm also like always a fan. Watch old movies; they're good. I watch more movies pre-1970 than I do anything else. I mean, old movies are good. Like, go get a Criterion not... subscription. It's only twelve dollars a month. I watch like one every two days. Mm. It's fucking mm. amazing. Criterion. <laughs> I'm a snob. Oh yeah. Say? Oh, you're not a snob. I think we should I think we should close it out. I think this is a good conversation. I just want to add one thing. Except yeah. for some of the the gnarly parts, I could not help but continuously think of you as Mank. Can we pause on that so I can go pee? Because I'm in pain. <laughs> yeah, go pee. All right, so tell me more how I'm, I'm like Gary Oldman. Well, not Gary Oldman, Mank. How? You're, you are, I just, it's like, I mean, we all know that, uh, you know, b- both of us, but we got a propensity to like a little bit of the, the spirits. We like the spirits. We're artists, artists. We're writers. We like to, to flow. And you just have this, the way he just like uses the wit and lyricism of language to float through situations just reminded me of you. But like, if you were going to be Mank, then that would make me like the Ben Hecht in the room. Like, I love it. Have you even been laid yet? I, I I just love the like that would be me. I'd be the blunt guy just like staring down like, whatever, you know. He definitely. And he's, and he's a he's a he's a hopeless romantic. He's very much a romantic. Guilty. He's you know quoting Cervantes. You know, yeah. oh, just some guy named Cervantes. You know, and then he's like, re, then he recites his own poetry. It's just yeah, there was a lot of these little vibes that reminded me of you. Sharp dressed man, always looking good in his suits. You know? Well, that's interesting. Can I drop a, a knowledge, a bomb knowledge on you? What's up? The young English actress playing his caretaker? Mm hmm. That's Phil Collins' daughter. Boom! Oh my God! Phil Collins is his, is his daughter? Holy shit. She was good. She was good. She was good, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. That my favorite scene of the entire film is that the first scene when he starts dictating the opening of that script to her, and she's sitting there taking the notes. Like that's some magical fucking shit, man. Like I can't wait to watch this just, movie again. Just just putting all of that stuff off of the dome. Like there's something about dictating. Like writers that like I've written some stuff. I could not even imagine writing by dictating to someone. 
like speaking out what I want to like that blows my fucking mind. That's like upper echelon fucking shit. It just it is. It's weird. I re- I'm not gonna say that on recording, but like I get it. He relates. He, he relates. It just is. Like I just look. I'm just my brain doesn't work that way. Like being able to just talk, write. Like I get it. Like I can write. But like the idea that I couldn't just stop and look at the sentence before, and then be like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's keep going. No, like, how the fuck does that work? Like, that's some that's some shit. And like, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie is just that. It's this beautiful fucking shit. And he's, you know, got you know, a that's cigarette what, like, going. That's what like Milton. And- that's what, like what Milton did. That's what like Yates did. Like, oh sure, yeah, it's crazy. lots of them. Yeah. I get it. I it's get wild. it. It's just it's. Yeah. It is. It's really cool to see artists working in their medium when they do their thing. And and I love also, last little shout out, the refrain to the spiral notebooks. Yeah. Like how you come out of the flashback and you come into the spiral notebook. Like you're back in. He doesn't relate you know, to that. Mank's got his broken leg, you know. He's writing, you know, yeah. Anyway, it, it's a fun movie. Like, not only is this movie entertaining, but it also is a history lesson. It's beautiful. It's lush. Both these movies are great. I love that it's in black and white. I love that that goes. I just think that this was such a cool episode that developed into itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really glad we had this convo. Yeah. It was awesome. Me too. Me too. What last question was Amanda Seyfried's character supposed to be have a New York accent? Yes, very much so. Um, and Jury's uh, still out nerds, Brooklyn East for nuts. Yeah, I um, I enjoyed her performance. I really did. I think there's this she. I think she was a very interesting choice for Marion Davies and that particular role. I mean, I really do because Amanda Seyfried, I think she's all like, I don't think she's a bad actress. I think, I think that she got heavily typecast as that girl from what, what, whatever movie it is where she's like grabbing her boob and like, yeah, I think there's a chance of rain. Like, and she's like looking around at mean girls. And she's like, you know, I think she got typecast as this just idiot. I mean, she basically. was in lame is. And, and and she's a beautiful young woman. I think it was a great choice for her as that kind of typecast role to play that particular role, which is this person who didn't have any talent, you know, was propped up by her. You know, I I, I liked it. I did. I thought I did too. And there's something about it's like it's like in the 40s and 30s in Hollywood. Like anybody who was in Hollywood, it seems like they took themselves so fucking serious. They probably spoke like that, like all the yeah. time. I mean, when she's leaving the MGM lot, they're showing her leave, and there's like trucks pulling her trailer, which is like this castle thing, like a modular home of today being towed with her to another fucking film studio lot. I mean, she took herself pretty like grandiose, you know what I mean? And then like I dies, good. and then dies destitute and drunk in a ditch somewhere well, in Missouri. You know, it happens, right? <laughs> I think on that note, destitute like to, and drunk in Missouri, destitute and running low on luck. <laughs> I thank you for joining. 
us on today's episode. This is a really good one. I'm really happy we had this conversation. It was a natural and like feel like it's a part of the fold of the show. So thanks for listening. Joshua, to the birds. Hallelujah. And to movies. God love them. God love them.